As you can see up front, in a little bit, we're going to be able to gather together around the Lord's Supper table. And I'm not sure how you feel about Communion Sundays. And we don't have a schedule where we do communion. We do it every month or so, every month or two, I guess. And we don't have a set schedule. Some churches choose to do that. We don't do that. We just sort of go with what the Lord is, is leading us to do. And it's good to see, by the way, uh, Dr. Carey's in the house. Are you finished with your service, my friend? You are. It seems like we just prayed you out, buddy. You're done. Uh, Dr. Carey serves in the military. And how many weeks were you gone? Three, three months. We just prayed you out like a week ago, dude. But welcome back. We bless you and we honor you. I said, when we prayed over him, church, I remember saying this phrase. It just sort of came out of me. But I said, he's a physician with a, with a, with a pastor's heart. And that's very, very true. So... He's a, a tremendous uh, man of God and an amazing family, but it's good to see you back, and I bet your family's happy you're back as well. But today we have the opportunity in a few moments to gather around the Lord's Supper table, and I, I hope you recognize the need that all of us have to take an inventory. I mean, that can start now. You don't have to wait until we give instruction. That, th this is a moment where all of us need to take an inventory and say, God, where am I at with you? And some of you would say, well, of course I love Jesus. I've been loving him for decades. That's wonderful. But just be careful that there aren't at times the ability where a little bit of, of lackadaisical kind of stuff gets in, where just a little bit of dust gets in and you kind of ignore it. You ever, ever see a little bit of dust in the house? You know, oh, nobody will notice that. And you keep saying that week after week and pretty soon you have, you know, three inches thick of of dust in the house, and that's how that happened. You have to take care of it on a regular basis. We have to take an inventory of where we're at with the Lord on a very regular basis. Not just every month or two when we take communion together, but certainly on a very regular basis. Today we just can sort of still our hearts. And the title of my message, it'll be a short message today because of our time and because of we want to give plenty of time a little bit later on. But we're talking today about the touch of Jesus. Repeat that after me. The touch of Jesus. How many of you today appreciate when Jesus touches you? You hear me say often around here that at the end of the day, I really believe most people when they come to church, you're wanting to have an encounter with God. That's why you're here. You're, you're not here because the, the quest serves amazing coffee, although it's amazing coffee. Not as good as Dunkin', but don't tell them. Um, it's amazing coffee. You're not here because you just want to see your friends, although we hope you want to see your friends. But I hope that you come expecting to have an encounter with the Holy God. That's why you're here. That's why I come. I want to come and, and say, God, what do you have for me today? Lord, I need a touch from you. Sometimes I know what that touch might be. Sometimes I, I come in asking for a specific touch. And other times, he'll touch me in a way that surprises me. I'm like, wow, I didn't know I needed a touch there. I didn't know I needed that that challenge. I didn't know I needed that tweak. I didn't know I needed those things. But at the end of the day, we're here because we want to have an encounter with the Holy God. We want to have a, a touch from Jesus. This morning's story that we're going to be sharing as a basis of some of my thoughts is this, out of Mark chapter 5, and you'll see it on the screen. And I want you to, in your mind's eye, try to imagine the scene as we walk this through. One of the benefits of reading is we all get to use our imagination. If we, if we showed the, the video portion, you know, when, when CNN was there when this happened back in biblical days and they were recording it, we, we lost it, somehow lost that. But if we had it, you wouldn't be able to use your imagination as much. So try to use your imagination when we read through these words. 
When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now, I don't know about you, but if I physically saw Jesus, I couldn't stand. I would have to kneel. I'd have to lie down. I, I, I wouldn't be able to stand. You know, I, I saw the, the, the newscast this week of when, when President Trump was in Las Vegas and going around the hospital. Some of you may, maybe have seen this footage. And, and the one young man had, had been shot in the, in the, in the leg. And when, when the president walked in the room, he purposely, and you could tell he was in pain, he, he got up and sort of hobbled over there and he, and he shook his hand. And, and later on he was interviewed and he said, you know what, when my president walks in, I want to stand and give honor to him. He wanted to stand. Well, I think if, if, if Jesus was physically in front of me, I wouldn't be able to stand. I would fall at his feet. This is what this leader of the synagogue did. He fell at his feet and he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. I have four daughters. What position would I be in if I was in the same position as this man? My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now, we don't know the whole story as to the reasons why. We could d dissect that medically. It could be A, B, C, D. But either way, if you're bleeding for 12 years, you're not in a healthy position. You're anemic. You're weak. You're discouraged. Some of you that suffer from chronic pain or chronic illness, where day after day after day after day, I know, sister, you're, you're one that for, for many years now, many years, she, she gets up knowing it's going to be a tough day. The question is, how tough might it be? How much pain will there be? It's a chronic illness that some of you in the room face. Chronic. Twelve years. Issue of blood. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. And she'd spent all that she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Now picture being in this crowd of hundreds, if not thousands. Everyone's pressing in, pressing in, and that whole mob thing that happens in a large crowd. I don't know about you, but I don't like that feeling. Have you ever been to a large concert or a fair or something big with hundreds, if not thousands of people, and they're all trying to get out the same direction? It's not a comfortable feeling. It's almost like when you go into an elevator, and they keep coming in and coming in, and coming in, and you know, I'm, I'm usually one of the taller, bigger, fatter guys, in the, and I try, to, I try to hide in the corner, and it seems like the more I hide in the corner, the elevator just gets, like, smaller, and the people, they just come and come, and I don't like that feeling. I love people, but not that much. <laughs> so picture this crowd. Hundreds, probably thousands, trying to see, trying to hear, trying to smell, trying to touch, and, and this woman who had been defiled... Because keep in mind, they were told not to associate with her. They were told to ignore her. They were told to stay away. You don't want to get that. You, you don't want to get dirty. And, and her, so she's, she's pushing her way through the crowd, just wanting to have a touch 
of the master's cloak. Desperate for a touch of Jesus. Some of you in the room today are desperate for a touch from Jesus. I believe this is a house where fertile ground has been laid, where fertile ground exists so that when people come in, they can have an encounter with the Holy God and they can have a touch from Jesus. Picture the scene. Trying to, trying to get in there and touch him. And, and immediately, once she was able to touch his cloak, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Can you imagine? Can you imagine 12 years of chronic, spending everything she had, being shunned, being discouraged, waking up every day wondering, could this be the day? And then after years and years of that, probably waking up and saying, it's probably never going to happen. And immediately she felt her body had been touched and she knew that her suffering had changed. And, and at once, verse 30 says that Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around and in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it looking around, looking around. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, worried about his reaction, trembling with fear, worrying about how other people around would treat her because she was so determined, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So she was weak and breathless and hardly even able to walk, and she had no money and no longer able to eat, probably, and she was ceremonially unclean. Nobody wanted to be around her, and yet she was determined to have a touch from Jesus. She did not give up. I'm sure there were men that were much bigger than her that were in the way that she had to squeeze through there, and keep in mind, she was weak. She didn't have the strength to do that. She probably didn't even compare in size to some of these big men that were around her. But she was determined, say determined, to have a touch from Jesus. Church, how determined are you to have a touch from Jesus? Oh, Pastor Daniel, you understand, I, I've been praying this prayer for years. Don't you think this woman was praying her prayer for years? Don't you think this woman woke up discouraged more days than not? Don't you think this woman, probably one after another, had friends that gave up on her? Why? Because they were kind of tired of hearing her moan and groan. You ever know somebody like that? You, you want to love them, but you just don't know if you have much more in you to listen one more time. One more time. My guess is she was a loner by this point. Nobody else was going to listen to her. She was desperate for a touch from Jesus. Church, I want to encourage you. Whatever your situation. Some of you are in, in a marriage that hasn't felt love for years or perhaps decades. Some of you are in a job that you've hated for years and you gave up even believing something could change. Some of you have been in a financial mess for so long, you think everybody lives this way. Can I tell you, truth is truth. Love is love. God's power is God's power. God wants to have you live higher. God wants to have you live better. God wants to have you live more whole. God wants to have you live in a healed state of mind, body, soul, and spirit. That's what God has for us today. 
The touch of Jesus makes the difference. Never, never, never give up. Don't allow the giants in the land to scare you. Don't allow those big men that are in the way between you and Jesus. Push them aside and be determined that your faith is going to match and God is going to touch. I want to encourage you, church. Be in a position where you never, 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 never give up. Always recognize that God's grace, his mercy, his strengthening empowerment of his Holy Spirit is there to comfort, to encourage, to heal, to strengthen. God wants to do that work in your life. This woman knew it and she was determined, say the word determined, determined to have a touch from Jesus. I want this church moving forward to be the kind of church where people come in and there's an expectancy of God moving, there's an expectancy of an encounter, and more than anything, there's an expectancy that you will have a touch from Jesus, much like this woman. She wondered, hey, is God punishing me for something? She wondered, is there something wrong with me? Why am I not being touched? Why am I not being healed? Why am I not being changed? Some of you have wondered the same thing. You say, I've, I've tried this, I've tried that, I've, I'm reading the word, I'm, I'm praying, I'm, I'm trying to not be involved in sin. Lord, I'm trying to go to church, I'm trying to tithe, but Lord, is, is there something wrong with me? Think about the large number of people that were in the crowd that day. And there might have been some people in the, in the crowd that, in the crowd's estimation, was, quote, more deserving of a touch from Jesus. What I love about this story is that it goes to prove to all of us that Jesus does not discriminate his love. Jesus does not discriminate his power. Jesus does not discriminate in his healing. He wants each and every one of us to be in a higher place, a greater depth of understanding, and a more committed sense of his love, his wisdom, his healing touch, and his wholeness in our lives. I want you to grab deep the thought that you are no different than anyone sitting nearby you. Your story may be a little different, but God loves each of us in the same capacity. God wants to see you just as whole, just as healthy, just as thriving, just as victorious as the person sitting beside you or in front of you. That woman had given up. That woman was more than discouraged. But she, somehow that, that day, she, she heard about this Jesus, she saw the crowd, and she was determined to get a touch from Jesus. She was determined. She pressed through. She overcame the obstacles. She wouldn't take no for an answer. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 says this, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And then 2 Timothy 4, 7 says this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. Over the last months, we've had an opportunity to bury and have celebration of life services for several of our dear saints here at our church. I think of Vince Belanca just a few weeks back. He kept the faith. 93 years old. He kept the faith. He kept the faith. He, he pressed through lots of obstacles, obstacles but, but he kept the faith. He didn't give up. He kept the faith, and some others as well. She kept her focus on Jesus. Folks, it, 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 it behooves
us that no matter what you're going through, keep your focus on Him. No matter the obstacles, no matter the naysayers around you, no matter the, the negative Nellies that are around you at times, keep your focus on Jesus. It's imperative. Verse 28 said, she said, if I could just touch his clothes, I would be healed. She just kept saying, if I could touch his garments, I would be restored to health. She kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying. And, and I think of that scripture in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, where it says, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you say, you shall say, you shall say, you shall speak it. Even a little bit of faith walking in. Even a little bit of faith. You may be discouraged. You may have a chronic issue. You may have a chronic problem. But keep saying, keep believing. That's what she did. And remember that the woman's faith did not move God. Faith does not move God. It moves us. Faith moves us. When we can get a hold of what God can do, then we, we're empowered by that. We're encouraged by that. We're able to move forward and make an impact in someone's life because we have the faith. Can you imagine that crowd? When they saw this woman who probably was quite thin, probably had very little physical strength, probably have a, had a downtrodden spirit and, and she's sort of pressing through and, and just making, making her way in there and some people saw it happen and all of a sudden, boom, the touch happened. Her healing was manifest. Can you imagine their faith? All of a sudden, wow, this is what God can do in her life? Well, then maybe God can do it in my life. This is why sharing testimonies and sharing your story, folks, is so important. Sharing your story with those you work with, sharing your story with people in your family is so vital because then you can be in a position where you're sharing what God has done in your life. And no one can argue with that. That builds faith. It encourages people where you can build and encourage others with what God has done in your life. All the eyes were upon her. All the eyes, she was outcast, a little scrap of unknown humanity. And look what God did. God cares about you in the same way. As we're moving toward communion, now I'm going to ask that those of you that are helping serve communion, if you can get in your spots, that would be great. We're going to be moving into the part of the service where we're going to be gathering around the Lord's Supper table. And we're going to be reflecting, we're going to be singing a couple of courses, and we're just going to be reflecting on God's goodness. Reflecting on what he's done for you. It's a time of remembrance. It's a time of anticipation. It's a time of celebration. And as we gather around the Lord's Supper table, I, I just want you to think of a time. I want you to zero in. Listen to me. I want you to zero in on a time where you were convinced that God wasn't going to do a thing. You were convinced that God didn't care. You were convinced that, you know what, your mountain was too big. But yet, on the other side of the mountain, you can say, you know what? God met me in my hour of need. You can say, God surprised me and came through. You can say, God, in a miraculous way, met my need. That builds faith. When's the last time you told someone that story? Church, when's the last time you sat around with your spouse and had a cup of hot tea or a cup of coffee? And you said, you know what? Can I share with you something God has done in my life this last week or two? When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time you've met with a friend, friend over coffee or, or dessert and, and said, you know what, I, let's just talk about what God's doing in your life and celebrate what God's doing. Give testimony. Build one another's faith up. Encourage one another. <laughs> I so love the fact that the woman with the issue of blood, she simply believed that Jesus could touch her. And John 10, 9 says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, 
he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So communion really, folks, is about us making contact with Jesus. It's about us slowing down, being quiet, being still, and reflecting. In a moment, I'm going to um, have Pastor Ben and his team to lead us in chorus. I'm going to have the, the team come down as well. And I'm going to ask that as the elements go by, that you hold on to the elements and we'll partake together. If you, if you are, have a gluten issue, if you'd raise your hand and these gentlemen will serve you gluten-free elements. But I want you to, to listen to what I'm, I'm going to say here. We, at Victory Christian Center, we're, we're not tied to church membership as far as your ability to receive communion. We, we don't care if you've been here a week or a day or 30 years. But what we do care about is that you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. What we do care about is that this is for the church, meaning the big C, meaning this is for brothers and sisters that have come before God and said, you know what, Lord, I, I admit that I'm a sinner. I need you. For those people that believe that, that God provided his son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for our sins, past, present, and future. See, you can't do anything more to earn God's love. You can't act better, read more, pray more to get more of God's love. God loved you enough to send his one and only begotten son to provide a sacrifice for you and for me. And then simply you, you bring a, a thought of confession where you say, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross of Calvary. And I need you in my life. I confess that I'm a sinner. And God will bring you that salvation that you're needing. So today, if you're by a child, let's make sure that that child understands. There's no obligation for anyone today to receive communion. But I want us to reflect as Pastor Ben leads us in his song and the team. Enter in and just take an inventory of where you're at. Ask the Lord to reveal anything. Now listen to me. Ask the Lord to reveal anything that needs to be fixed. Unconfessed sin. If you have ought against a brother, if you have a conflict with anybody in this room, I want you to feel the freedom to get up from your seat and go approach that person and ask for their forgiveness. This is family today. This is family. Do not hesitate. If there's unforgiveness in your heart and that person's in the room, seek that person out in Jesus' name. But the Along with this song, if you would.
Sing along this morning. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the blood. And oh, precious is the Hold on to your elements if you would. Out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed. Now hold on, we'll take bread together here in a moment. But took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. See, I'm convinced, church, that Jesus knew human nature pretty well. And he knew that on a regular basis, if we didn't pause, if we didn't take time out, he knew that his church would, would not necessarily always give him the honor that is due him. So he said, do this, take time out, and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. It's so important, folks, that I don't know how you do it, but when I receive communion, I think about what God has done in the past. I think about what he's saved me from. I think about what he's delivered me from. And then I think about my, my present. I think about what he's doing for me now and with me and through me and my family. And I, I just give him praise for that. And I, I give him honor for that. I, I say, Lord, you're amazing. You're consistent. His love is, is far-reaching. His forgiveness is far-reaching. And that's here and now. That's today. And then, church, what else do we talk about? We, we talk about the future. And we talk about the promise and the hope that we have when we serve a risen Savior. We talk about how we have a hope when we serve Jesus. Listen, I've done funerals of people that have zero history with God. That's a dark, dark, dark moment. And we never know when someone's with the Lord or not. We, we don't have a guarantee of that. I never preach anyone into heaven or hell. But there's a big difference in a family that you know has a walk with Christ, with a family that you know has been serving Jesus versus a family where there's not necessarily any indication that that's happened. There's a hope that is found. So when I take communion, I think about the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for the, the, the promises in his word that we have eternal life that we'll be able to celebrate and, and worship him for all of eternity. That's a wonderful hope and a wonderful promise, church. 
So again, we, we, we look at our, our history and we say, God, what you've done for me is amazing. Then we look at our today and we go, Lord, wow, you love me deeply. Then we think about our future. Church, do you want a, a, a touch from Jesus today? I hope you do. Can we take the bread together? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Sing along. Bless you, Lord. When his blood was shed on Calvary, that provided a healing for today. That shed blood provided the healings that happened in the service earlier today. I'm convinced God did some amazing things. Make sure you tell somebody. But his blood covers all. Say all. Every sin. Every sin. Every bad choice. Every bad decision. Every act of rebellion, every impure thought. When we say, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, he does because of his shed blood. This juice represents that. Can we partake together? Thank you, Lord. This is Can we stand together and sing this song as we close?
bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Can we just praise him for a moment for what he's done on the cross of Calvary? This room is ripe for that. Father, we bless you. We thank you, God, for sending your son on the cross of Calvary. Father, you are worthy this morning. Father, thank you for your touch. Thank you for encounters with you. Thank you for saving us, for redeeming us. Thank you for sanctifying us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. You are a good, good Father. We love you this morning, God. We love you this morning. We love you this morning. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's a couple of people in the room this morning that have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And your heart, your heart's been beaten for a lot of this service. And not really sure what to do with that. But there's there's a couple of folks in the house today that you've never been right, you've never made yourself right with the Lord. You've never said, God, I I need to be right with you. And and the Lord would say that today is your day of salvation. Do not leave this house and not be right with your Savior. God wants to meet you where you're at and rebuild the life of destruction that you've been living in. I don't know if it's a man or woman. It might be one of each. But church, we give just another moment of this and Christians are praying. I can't let this go. There's some in the house today that you've, you're not right with the Lord. Maybe at one time you were, but you've been running. You've allowed destruction, discouragement, chronic anything, and, and, and you've been mad at him, and you've walked away from him. God wants to make it right today. Would you be so bold to meet me down at this altar so I can have the privilege of praying with you? Do not leave this house and not become right with the Lord today. Who would be bold and come down to the front this morning? The church is praying. I believe there's souls in the balance today, church. I want you to pray as hard as this is one of your relatives, it might be. Hello. What is your name?
Folks, if we gathered this morning for these two ladies, it was worth it. I asked this first young lady what her name was, and she said, Sarah. I asked this young lady what her name is, and she said, Sarah. Not sure what that means. Other than I thought it was really cool. I'm going to ask those of you that help us pray, if you could line up across the front church. We never want you to leave without feeling as though someone was able to be in agreement with you for a need or connect with you and pray over something. But our, our prayer partners up here, they, they love Jesus and they love people. And they are here. You got something? And uh, so all of our prayer folks are coming up. Vicki Gonzalez has been part of the house for decades and decades. She's a mom of the house, and the Lord's given her something. When Pastor was sharing about the woman with the issue of blood and the crowd, I don't know how many of you were visually thinking about a crowd. But think about a crowd. Think about how she had to look, try around this person and then go this direction and go around this person and maybe try it because these people wanted to see Jesus as much as she needed to get to Jesus. She was moving in a crowd of people who didn't really want her to pass by because they wanted to be and see Jesus. They didn't know she had a need. They were just trying to see the same thing that she was looking at, but she had a need, and she was pressing in, and she was going hard at trying to get to that woman, to, to the Lord. What I heard was the word that Siri says when you, have a, when you map out a direction and you get your, you're going down that path and all of a sudden she says, rerouting, 
rerouting because there's a detour. There's something that's stopping you going from going the place that you were going. And Siri says, rerouting, rerouting. And that's because Siri knows you have a destination and she's trying to get you to that destination. I believe there are people here that are here by no accident. I believe that God has routed you and rerouted you and rerouted you to get you into the house today. And I know your heart is beating and I know that you know that you know that you know that you need to be at the altar because God has been rerouting your life. The enemy is trying to keep you from your destiny. The enemy is trying to keep you from having all that God has for you. It is time to let go of the enemy's plans. It is time to be rerouted and get to this altar and let God do what God wants to do. Yeah, yeah. I have no doubt that for some of you, those words spoken with such passion and truth rang true. And in a moment, we're going to close and we're going to invite those of you that need to come down. But Sarah, number one, and Sarah, number two, congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> Ladies, this, this is the beginning of a whole new life. A whole new life. You're going to see things differently as you've never seen them before. And God's going to, little by little by little, just remove layers of junk and stuff. And little by little by little, you're going to be able to see clearer and clearer and clearer. God bless you both for your obedience today. We love you, Sarah number one. We love you, Sarah number two. And we're so glad you came today. Church, if you need prayer, at the conclusion of the blessing, I'm going to ask you to come down. Listen to what Vicki said, how the Lord used Vicki today to encourage the church. If there's anything in your marriage that needs cleared up, if there's anything in your finances, you just need some prayer. These people love God and they love people. So I'm going to say the blessing, then we're going to release you to come down. Would you extend your hand? Would you look me in the eye? I pronounce a blessing and favor and life and liberty and freedom to come forth in each of these lives and hearts. That this week would be a week of divine favor, of divine open doors. This week would be a week of amazing opportunities where God's grace, wisdom, love, and mercy can flow through each of these hearts. Allow there to be favor, life, liberty, and freedom. Say freedom. Freedom in Jesus' name. Have a blessed, blessed week. Come down if you'd like some prayer. God wants to meet you.